Wine you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our third episode of Wine You Wish Upon a Star. I'm your host, Joseph Pale. I'm your other host, Brenna Pale. And we just watched the Disney animated classic Dumbo from yes, 1941. So, um, do we want to describe what the podcast is? We watch Disney movies in th- theatrical release order. While drinking wine. And then we talk about them with our thoughts, with the wine and the endless march of time that has turned us into adults. Sure. (laughs) So this week we watched the 1941 classic Dumbo, everyone's favorite circus elephant. Does anybody else have another favorite circus elephant? Um, Jumbo? Nobody knows who Jumbo is, but we'll get to that. Sure. (laughs) So right at the top, we're going to talk about the kind of wine that we drank while we watched the movie. And so we drank a wine from Kiami Vineyards in Paso Robles. We drank the the wine that they have called Unlocked. It was a 2013 Unlocked. We're big fans of Kiami. Yes. We've talked about them before on the podcast. We decided to drink Unlocked because... We wanted to give Mrs. Jumbo a little bit of justice, you know, being all locked up in that little cage. But we'll spoiler talk about alert. That. Sorry, but that's the reason. I mean, we're, I mean, this is what happens when we oh. start off with the wine. What if no, what if nobody's seen the movie? Why would they be listening to this podcast? That'd be very weird. Oh my god! Spoiler alert! Don't ruin it. It's only a sixty-year-old movie. So the first thing I want to say about this movie is. Uh, well, we had the, uh, as we were setting up to watch the movie and pouring our wine, we uh, were playing the DVD, and during the DVD opening, they just played the circus music over and over and over and over again. And I already thought, we're going to hear much more of this, aren't we? And, we did. And we did. Another spoiler alert. Well, I feel like our whole podcast is a spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. So anyway... I would suggest not listening to, if you have the DVD, not just letting it rest on the menu for a half hour. Yeah, that's a little rough. Because it will definitely give you bad dreams. It's a little rough. Yeah. All right. So it starts off ominously, which I realized in the movie, there's a lot of ominous transitions with a lot of bad weather and a lot of like, just like, I don't know. It's not a kind of thing where you're like, yay, the circus is coming to town. It's always like, oh no. What's going to happen? Yeah, it rains a lot in the circus. And so it starts out with this poem that's kind of like the same kind of poem that the uh, that's been, I guess, the post service, the postal service's yeah, creed, like, like come, rain, come rain or come snow, snow or sleet. And I, I was trying to think, like, what does this have to do with the circus? But then I realized that I was kind of jumping the gun a little bit, where really they were talking about the storks. Yeah, they started with the storks. Mm-hmm. Forget the circus. Where do babies come from? <laughs> this is, I think, Disney's first attempt at explaining the birds and the bees story. Mostly the birds, but not really in, a, in an incredibly faithful way. More just kind of reinforcing the folklore of the stork. While not being completely factual. I think it, uh, it's been... Wait, it, not being factual. Oh, do, no. Do babies not come from storks? Oh, no. We need to have a talk. Here, I'm going to pause it right now. We're going to have a talk. Okay, okay we we're back. A talk. Um, Ooh, this was rough. Anyway. Well, um, that was new for me. So anyway. Um, I think I would know that as a nurse. 
<laughs> so the first thing that I kind of realize is that when the stork, the storks are like dropping things from the sky and it's like, they somehow know exactly how the, like the wind is going to take everything. Well, there was a map, like it was a very clearly marked, each state was a different color. Okay. Was well, there's well a map, marked. by the way, this, the, the map completely establishes this all happens in Florida, yeah. which definitely gives context to the pink elephant sequence, but we'll get to that. <laughs> anyway, Florida. Actually, did you know, <laughs> Disney fact, this is one of the few Disney films that actually takes place in the United States. Not live action, I mean animated. No. Mm, yeah, it was the very first one, but it's one of a very few. By that, I mean the Disney animated classics. A lot of Pixar ones, I think, take place in America. Okay, but, see, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. well, I was thinking of mostly the ocean ones, so I guess it's really more <laughs> like... Well, it's international waters. But it's like, you know, there's some of them take place in France or in Denmark and all over the world. But this is one of the few that actually takes place in the United States in modern day times. Because a lot of times they go back mm. in time. That's true. All right. You got me. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh, they're, they're just dropping them from the sky. And there's like a, a, a shot where like Mrs. Jumbo is like trying to reach for them. But they're like landing in like the crocodile cage or the, something other thing. Imagine if she had actually gotten one of those. It would have been a very different movie. She'd be like, this is my baby. This is my baby it's Dumbo. A it's, a, it's a bear or a crocodile. Well, the bear gets two. If you notice, like the oh, mama yeah. bear, she got two. Like she was like, oh, I'm so excited to have two, like one. And then she's like, a second one? Well, the tiger got like four of them. That's true. But that was like four and one. Like mama oh, bear yeah. got two separate ones. Yeah. It's kind of like when you when you order an Amazon package while you're drunk. It was very much like, I was like, oh, this is the world of Amazon. Like, this is how it's going to work now. They're just going to drop off packages at your door. Also, they're babies. Like, I didn't order this. I'll, I'll take it. I mean, I think part of this is to, to explain to children when they're like, oh, there's no, anim- there's no babies in the cage. And all of a sudden, there's a baby in the cage. Like, what happened there? It was a stork. And they're all surprised, but they're all very happy about the surprise. Like a drunk Amazon package. That's very true. But I want to know, like, where are the storks getting all these baby animals from? I think that can be described as a mystery. Okay, that's definitely an answer to my question. Nobody has an answer. The answer is magic. The answer is the sky. All right, sure. (laughs) But, like, my then question, my then question, my question then is... Did the carnival workers, like, they're just like, oh, yeah, no, it's cool. Now we have to just feed all these babies, too. Yeah, because that's just how the world works. Oh, all right. Although I thought that, too. Even, like, when they, uh, you see that the the cars for the train are specifically designed for the animals, for their their anatomy. Mm -hmm. I, I, I remember as a kid, I was just like, oh, that's so cool. It felt like, you know, puzzle pieces fitting into place where it's just like. Like the giraffes. Like the giraffes. And And it closes up for like right around their necks and the hippos. It's like they land perfectly. Filled with water. I don't know. I was always a kid that was just always like when things fall right into place and things are exactly to their design, that gives me some sense of comfort. That's why I love trains, too, because they're constantly going on tracks, which this movie definitely helped. The train is Casey Jr. Yes. Casey. So (laughs) about a couple weeks ago... (laughs) Brenna and I were watching a baseball game. And an, no, it, we were watching the World Series. It was we part of the World Series. It. Yeah, it was part of the World Series. And it was one of those, like, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, two strikes, three balls. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. It's like, this is like Casey at bat. And Brenna turns to me and goes, Casey Jr. going up to bat. And I was like, 
you put two <laughs> Disney songs together. <laughs> I thought that Casey Jr. was the baseball player, and then I realized that Casey Jr. is the, the train. <laughs> So then Joe's like, oh, Casey Jr., he's rounding the bases and everyone's dead because he's a train. <laughs> I would watch baseball every day if it involved trains going around the bases and everybody just jumping out of the way. <laughs> so Casey Jr., and he's a train. Yeah, and so I remember as a kid being kind of confused. I mean, when you're a kid, you think that everything is all... Uh, connected, but the whole like when Casey Jr. is like, I think I can, I think I can. Like, I was like, wait, that's the little engine that could. So I thought that they were one and the same. Turns out that the movie was referencing the book because it was incredibly popular. And so it was just one of those like, wink, get it? It's like the book. So babies come from heaven and you have to sign for them. Yes. Because then we get the delivery after the, the train's already going of. Mrs. Jumbo's baby and the stork that now that I think of it when I was a kid I thought he was drunk too I thought everyone was drunk in this movie and uh it's probably true <laughs> cause he's like let me, let me put this baby elephant down in a cloud and it starts sinking down so he doesn't just like drop it from the sky he has to do like a personal delivery but one of my favorite things is that I've never noticed before is how he he's reading the directions on the map to like the melody of the song that's playing. He's like, go to Florida, 51 line. Then you go up this way until it reaches this point. And it's like, oh, that was cute. Like he's like singing a lullaby while he's reading his directions. Cause I do that when I'm at home and just doing things by myself, not with a lullaby, but I change lyrics to whatever I'm doing. Oh, my husband's a stork. I'm a stork. So, I enjoyed that when it came to the part where they named Dumbo, Mm -hmm. because his name is not actually Dumbo. No. Mrs. Jumbo. Her name is Mrs. Jumbo. Mm -hmm. Names him Jumbo Jumbo Jr. So his name is Jumbo Jr. Jumbo. What? If she names him Jumbo Jr. That's right. And she's Mrs. Jumbo, Hmm. his name is Jumbo Jr. Jumbo. I never thought of that. So we should name a kid... Peo, Peo Junior, Junior Peo. That's but it, only if my name is Peo. So his father's so name is Jumbo Jumbo. Peo. We're getting Peo. to a Mario Mario situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things that I thought of when I was younger. Is I thought that Jumbo's mom was named Jumbo, and so when they were saying like, "Oh, it's Jumbo Junior," it's like, "Oh, well, obviously he took the mom's name." But then I was thinking about it, and nobody actually calls the mom Jumbo. They call her Mrs. Jumbo the whole time. Right. So where, where are all the misters? Yeah, there were no male animals. There are no other male elephants. Other than one lion. There was one lion in one of the parades. And there was the male had, giraffe, because that there were the two right. parent giraffes. There were two giraffes, and there was one male lion. Mm-hmm. No other male animals. Yeah. Everybody else had babies that were dropped off by storks. Yes. So is this like a virgin birth kind of thing? I think it's more like what happened in the first Jurassic Park movie. Oh. The storks obviously just dropped off more baby dinosaurs, and that's how they took over the island. So the animals in the circus are all have all been spliced with frog DNA because frogs can actually turn to the opposite sex. Well, I mean, did anybody go into the circus and look up all the animal skirts? Uh, oh, 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 oh. 
So we've got a whole ton of mean elephants. Yeah. Also, I didn't realize, I think because this movie was from 1941, I think they're actually supposed to be like flappers, like See, and like, I, like vaudeville actresses that are all just because they're like these kickline girls who are all really kind of catty with each other. Well, they reminded me of the Red Roses from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. To me, they were, it was like in uh, Gold Diggers of 1941 or one of those movies where they're all these kind of Broadway backstage ladies and they all have the, they're like, mm, I got a date tonight, you know, like the, the, the stage door. And I think that's what they were all based on. But I also didn't realize before that they all have eye c- eyes that match their, their eye color matches their headdresses. Oh, yeah. They're very pretty. Did not notice that before. Because they even have, like, the matronly one who's just like, mm, I'm in charge, y'all. Yeah, she's Ladies, like... Ladies, we are dignified. The mother hen, like. Yeah. So then Mrs. Jumbo just swaddles him in his own ears, which is... Okay. Well, they make fun of him for his ears first. Well, yeah. They, they're like, the Jumbo. More like Jumbo. Well, the stork drops him off. Good, good one. And he's all, like, cute. Like, his ears don't show. And then he sneezes. And his ears fly out. Yeah. And then they start making fun of him, and then they're like, Jumbo, more like Dumbo, which actually is kind of apt because he doesn't say anything. He's and mute. so he's mute. So he is dumb. By the literal definition, he is dumb. And um, actually, I have a fact there. He was originally supposed to be voiced by the same person who was the voice of Pinocchio. But then as they were developing it, they said, no, I think we, I, Disney actually said, I think we should just make him not say anything. Which I think is the right choice. I never realized that he never said a word. Yeah. I never realized that. Well, did you also realize that uh, his mother only says his name? She only says one thing in the movie when they say, like, what's his name? And she says, Jumbo Jr. That's the only line she has. Well, no, I think she's singing the song to him. Well, she sings, but that's the only spoken line. Oh, okay. There were also funny little things like, I enjoyed how the zebras pulled the lion carts. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot more um, animal labor going on. Tons of animal Again, labor. So we get another uh, sequence that's like a transition where they show up in town. And again, just like in the very beginning, it's like lightning striking. There's rain going. The animals are all helping out. There's these faceless people that look like they're made of like brown silly putty. And they're just like setting up the circus. You would think that this was a scene in like Pirates of the Caribbean where they're fighting a storm or something like that. This is not normally what you'd think of when you say in the script, and then the circus comes to town. Like, this is this looks like some shady dealings, which is why I think this movie has some very, very strange turns of tone. Well, and then they're singing a song that's like, we get our pay and throw it away. Get our pay and throw it away. Because we this work is our in the circus. And we work in the circus, and this is horrible, and we're imprisoned here. So it's very odd. So it doesn't really feel like it's something where you're like, oh, no, no, this is a show to be celebrated. It's like, this is hard work and this is a life and we're all stuck in it. Well, and the elephants mostly help the people set up the circus. Yeah. Because they're like the biggest animals. So they're the ones that can really pull all the big logs and set up the big tent and everything. Yeah. And And even Dumbo's helping out, even though he can't really do anything. I like that one sort of imagery where he's basically acting as a sewing machine, whereas his mother's just like looping the rope through. He's just like, and then I make the cross loop and then do put set it up here. And it's like they're together. They work as a sewing machine. It's really right. nice. And so you get all these cute images of Dumbo helping. And then you get like his mom caring for him and loving him. And like 
it really goes on for a while, like all of this elephant-loving imagery. Yeah. And then you cut to the humans show up, and a big-eared human... Who's making fun of Dumbo's ears... Gets Get it? spanked. Yeah, he gets spanked. Like, he's making fun of Dumbo, and Mrs. Jumbo comes up and picks him up and starts spanking him. Yeah. Which, like, as an audience member, because you've give, you've been given no empathy for anybody else except for Dumbo and his mother. Everybody else, it's like, we don't care about you guys. You're just like, yeah, this is, this is a moment of justice. But then, of course... Everybody starts attacking Mrs. Jumbo. Well, but she's very strong because she's a full-grown elephant. Yeah. And so she's throwing people around, including the ringmaster. And here's the first time we see him thrown into a vat of water. (laughs) And the front part of his tux rolls up and smacks him in the face. Like, that's not the first time I've seen that. Do you think that was a problem back in the day? I think so. Like, tuxes would roll up and hit people in the face when they were dropped into buckets of water? I think it was, like, one of those things where in the the 90s, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you'd always see movies where people had, like, those clip-on ties. I think it was kind of like that version of the clip-on tie in the early 40s, where it's like you didn't actually have a shirt underneath your tuxedo. You just had... Just a little bib that tucked into your vest. But it would roll up and hit you in the face when it I got guess. slightly wet. I guess. I mean, I mean, once we get to Peter Pan, we'll see that happen a lot again. Yeah. Because that's the first time that I'd ever seen that, and I didn't quite understand. 1940s problems, am I right? Uh, so then we see, you know, this whole thing happens. Dumbo's mom's thrown in prison. Then we see Dumbo sad, and it's all crazy. the other He's elephants... Like s- are making fun of him. When he's like, when he's really sad, he's like sitting there just like looking dead-eyed and swaying back and forth. It's really, it's like he's just, like something's cracked inside of him. And then we cut to a tiny mouse wearing a ringmaster's outfit. Okay. Mm. New line of questioning that I have here. Did he make that? Is he part of the show and they made it for him? Also, where are the other mice? Like, I, I don't quite understand. And he comes in just all like, nah, I'm all show business. I can make a show. So he, basically, he's an agent or a manager. And he just kind of comes in and he's just like, he, he's first like sort of the voice of the audience saying like, no, I don't understand why they pick on this guy. He's not so bad. I think he's kind of cute. I think his ears are good. Like, he's definitely comes in just kind of like sidling up to the audience and saying like, yeah, I think like you. So let's let's all be friends. See, and I think his outfit is more of like a foreshadowing thing. Because really, this whole movie is made by the mouse. He pushes every plot point. Well, the mouse and the drunk clowns. No, the mouse pushes every plot point. Dumbo would not have flown without the mouse. That's true. Dumbo would not have attempted to be a part of like the big stunt without the mouse. Mm Mm-hmm. The stunt wouldn't have even happened without the mouse because we'll get to this well, there later. Was the first stunt, he and the whispers, mouse is the one that did. It. But he whispers into the guy's ear. Mm-hmm. We're jumping ahead. <laughs> the mouse is the real plot point of this movie. That's why I think he's wearing the ringmaster's outfit because I think it's a foreshadowing. Foreshadowing in a sixty-minute movie. <laughs> so it foreshadows, and then two minutes later, oh look, it's happening. So then. So then the, the mouse, you know, once they kind of drive Dumbo away, they the mouse just says, hey, that's not right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go scare the elephants. 
So I have a question. Yes. It's probably the same question I have. I have a, I have a real question. So the mouse decides he's going to st- scare the elephants. Mm-hmm. Who in this world started the whole elephants are afraid of mice thing? I had the same question because I started to think the first time that I had ever heard of elephants being afraid of mice was this movie. So is this movie responsible for creating that? Or is that an actual thing that's known? Do you think that elephants are afraid of mice? Because a lot of times when I see, like, the only times I've ever actually seen an elephant scared of a mouse is in a cartoon. And it's always been in a cartoon that was made after this movie. So I feel like it's one of those things where... Either this was a little-known fact that became popularized by this movie, or this movie completely made it up. Hmm. Another interesting thing about times changing. This movie uses the word climax <laughs> like 20 to 30 times within like a 15-minute time frame. Like, I exaggerate not. Like, it is said many times. And it doesn't quite mean the same thing as it did 50 years ago. Well... It still does to yes, an extent, but it's also But it also been, holds connotation with it. Yes, because the the word definitely I think used to just mean a story point. And then I think it was something that had become something that's been a lot more sexualized. Yeah, thanks internet. <laughs> Ruin English. So after they after they say the word climax about 50 times, you then get the ringmaster with the help of the mouse in his ear, deciding to plan a stunt in which six elephants stand on top of each other? Well, I think the ringmaster kind of mentioned it before. Oh, while he was doing his sexy striptease? While he was doing his striptease in front of the janitor. Okay, multiple times in this movie, do you get to see through a tent? A silhouette uh, from the of a side of a tent. carnival person taking their clothes off. Disrobing, some, mostly in the presence of another person who just does not care. Right. So he's disrobing and saying, I want to make a pyramid of elephants. And, and they're just going to, and I don't know, there's something that's going to happen. And so this isn't a kind of thing where he's, he's like a person who says, oh, I know of this stunt that da-da-da. He's just like, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm going to see how I can abuse animals for amusement. Right. In the most elaborate way possible. And the janitor's like, yup. And then he's just like, I, I don't know how to end it, but it'll come to me in a dream because that's how animals work. That's how animal cruelty works. Exactly. In a dream. <laughs> But then the mouse takes advantage of it. He's like, oh, I'm going to help out my friend Dumbo. And like whispers in his ear, like, you're going to let Dumbo be the main event. But he also does this for some reason. Like he dresses in his pillowcase or in his sheets as a ghost, even though he's not looking at him. He's like, I am the voice of your subconscious. So he wakes up in the mor- in that moment, and then he says, Oh, I've got a great idea. I'm going to have Dumbo reach up to the top. And then it cuts to later, which I don't think they, the elephants actually... I don't think that anybody in the circus actually does any rehearsal. They just kind of say, on the day, we're just going to try it. So the elephants are all standing around saying, Oh, so we've got this big stunt to do, and the ringmaster takes all the credit for it. Anyway, at that point, I just kind of thought, Huh, the ringmaster kind of has like a little mustache... And he's taking credit for like all this stuff, even though somebody whispered into his ear. And then I thought, are these like, is, is the script poking fun at Walt Disney? Because he is kind of the ringmaster who takes credit for everything, even though he's got a whole team of people who suggest things all the time. 
And I was thinking, no, 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 no. That's probably, that's probably a little far-fetched. But is it? We'll get to that later. <laughs> so the elephants start their crazy stunt. And you get like the mother hen elephant on the bottom. And they start climbing up on each other. You know, these ton-sized elephants are crawling up on top of each other, and they're like, don't step in my eye. Oh, we've gained a little weight, have we? Oh, someone had a little extra dinner tonight. I just gotta say, I feel like just the way that the skin of the elephants fold onto each other as they're, like, trying to hoist each other's weights up, I just, like, oh, this is is disturbing and looks painful. Right, yeah, no, I was very uncomfortable. So the six elephants get on top of each other and Dumbo is supposed to jump off of a springboard and land on top. And of course he trips on his ears and knocks the ball out from under the bottom elephant. Oh, because they're on a ball. If <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> enough, the fact that six elephants were standing on each other. Um, they're also balancing on a ball and uh, they start a elephant massacre. Yeah. One of the elephants actually yells at Dumbo during this, Out of my way, assassin! When I was a kid, I didn't know what an assassin was. But now, as an adult, I'm like, an assassin? Is he, like, targeting somebody? (laughs) Tripped on his ears. (laughs) So the elephants start to fall, and they proceed to not just, like, fall and hurt themselves, but destroy absolutely every oh. act. Like, anything. Like, oh, the trapeze. That's still intact. Nope. An elephant fell on it and broke it. Oh, no, no, no. What about this, uh, the, the, what about this other apparatus? No, an elephant fell on it and broke it. Like, oh, they destroy the everything. Oh, they're fine. No, the elephant no, fell the and elephant, broke them. Yeah, the elephants fall on the post that keeps the circus tent up and every everything is just covered the elephants broke everything you cut to like outside of the tent and people are just running out of the tent and everything is collapsing and then you cut to another sad train transition seriously like i think this train runs on tears and rain because whenever it's moving, it's never happy. It's never like, oh, this is great. Yeah, circus is coming. It's just sadness is coming to town. But it has a little red hat. It does. It looks like it has a little red hat. Yeah, like a little red baseball hat. And it thinks it can. It thinks it can. So, like, it has a little red baseball hat. So I wasn't entirely wrong when I said Casey Jr.'s going up to bat. <laughs> so then you see the elephants... <laughs> And they're all recuperating. One of them has its tail in a splint. One of them has a stake on its eye. And thinking about the size of elephants, how big is that stake? Another one has a pillowcase taped to its butt. Yeah. They're just in all sorts of bandaging. It's all meant to be like a like a big sort of sight gag. But this I was just focused on the stake. Like if you put a stake that big on an elephant's face, what did that come from? That's true. I never even thought of that. It's like somebody just cut a cow in half and just like slapped it on its face. Well, and then I love that the elephants are like, oh, we're so mad at Dumbo. And then the one super gossipy elephant that obviously has it in with some other animal because Mm -hmm. she's like, I got the latest scoop. Where'd you get the scoop from? But she's like, I heard he's going to be a clown. So and they all have this disdain for clowns. The way they set up that line, it sounds like she's about to say they're going to put Dumbo down. 
And so, like, they're all just kind of, like, in anticipation, like, what, what's going on? What's going on? And you think that that's going to happen. They'll be like, yeah, that's probably about right. And then they say, he's going to be a clown. And they just, like, their jaws drop. And they're just like, this is a fate worse than death. Yeah, it was this worse than the if they put Dumbo down. Yeah. They're like, he's going to be a clown? Oh, no. So then we cut to the clowns. And I'd like to point out, I think the clowns were the inspiration for Cirque du Soleil. Probably. They're like flying around. There's like 50 things happening at once. Yes. Anytime I've gone to Cirque du Soleil, it's honestly given me a headache because I cannot pay attention to so many things happening at once. Not only is somebody above my head lighting things on fire, but there are three things like happening in like seven other places. And I'm like, I can't watch everything at once. And then there's two people balancing on a chair and... Dancing. I, I don't know. It was it's a very weird time. I've only gotten to Cirque du Soleil like once or twice, but both times I've had a headache. The other thing about it is that like you know, when when you start, you know, an animated film, you you sort of create a precedence of things like physics and physical form and what the characters are, what the creatures are. We've seen human characters throughout this this whole film so well, far. Faceless. Yeah, faceless, but they keep their shape. They actually look like humans. That's true. But when you see the clowns, it's the first time that it's just like, within the parameters that they have set, this is not physically possible. What they look like, the way they move, the way they act, it's like these these are humans made of marshmallows. Like, they are just completely just way, way over the top, where it's just like, we're really kind of pushing the bounds of, like, what is humanly possible. And what we've already said, these are, these are what humans are. <laughs> it feels like a different movie starts. When that happens. And as you said, like everything hap- everything goes so fast that it's like you can't even take a, a moment to laugh at a gag before something else is already going on. And one of them is dressed supposedly like Dumbo's mom running yeah. around <laughs> because the scene that they're pretending to play in this clown act in the circus is that a building is on fire. Not that a building is on fire. They have lit a building on fire inside of the circus tent that is supposedly 300 feet tall. And so they've lit this building on fire. Dumbo's sitting at the top, you know, because you light a building on fire and put an elephant at the top. Because the fire at the bottom doesn't burn it at all. Right. Fire doesn't work that way. all of them are running around like fake firemen, except for one of them is supposedly Dumbo's mom. So, like, this clown has this crazy head on and a pair of giant fake boobs, because you know this because... He takes it off later, you know, behind a sheet Another again. one of those strip teases, yes. Uh, and so they all run around. They pretend to, like they can't put the fire out. They can't figure it out like they're dumb firemen, you know, clown firemen. And then Dumbo jumps off the, like, top story and lands in a barrel of, like, pie filling? Like whipped yeah, cream? Yeah, it's like whipped cream. And that's the big ta-da at the end. And then everybody laughs at Dumbo. Again, this is one of those weird things where Dumbo, like, feels really proud to, like, be a performer. But then there's this bizarre thing of, like, tone that suggests that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be feeling proud if it's at your expense. So then that, that act ends and we get the clowns heading into their tent. And again, backlit, tent canvas... We get to watch them take their clothes off. And there's like little gags where it's like, oh, this one tall clown is actually two small clowns standing on each other. Again. Two kids in a trench coat. Two kids coat. in a trench coat. It's my favorite sight gag. 
Of all. There's also like the fat clown who like deflates himself and he's really a skinny clown and underneath. And then the one clown who was Dumbo's mom takes his fake boobs and head off and he's this tiny little skinny guy. So then the clowns are saying, this calls for a real celebration because they're so excited about how how much laughter Dumbo's humiliation got. And they just start opening up bottles. Well, it looks like champagne. It looks like champagne because like that's usually what happens because the they're like, yeah, because they pop the cork and the mouse is like, see, you hear that? They're celebrating. They're, they're having a toast. So you think like, okay, it's just champagne. It's just champagne. It's at that moment that the mouse kind of gets an idea and says, oh, hey, guess what? Did you know that I got an appointment to talk to your mom? So Mrs. Jumbo has been sitting all this time in a, a locked up mad elephant carriage it that's says been warning. Up. It says warning. Mad, Mad elephant. elephant. Yes. They've already kind of established that time has passed. They've already performed in one or two different towns already. This is the first time that anybody has ever given Dumbo the idea to go visit his mom because she's not moving anywhere. <laughs> yeah, all four again, of her legs are chained down. But again, this is the thing exactly like you were saying that Dumbo has no agency. This is all on the mouse. The mouse is the one that says, hey, did you know you can visit your mom? I'm telling you, that's why he's wearing the <laughs> ringmaster's outfit. He's the one running the movie. He is like the missing piece of Dumbo's mind that actually gets things done. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's the two of them together. Oh, it's a friendship movie. It's a friendship. The two of them together. It's a love story. So they anyway, complete each other. They go to see his mom and it's like very touching and... Everybody cries. Because then she's like reaching out as far as she can with her trunk and she cradles Dumbo and he's crying. There's so much crying. And the way their 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 trunks kind of intertwine, it just kind of makes it makes you want to hug your mama. Yeah. Yeah. So then the song Baby Mind starts playing, which by the way, the song was recorded by uh, a singer named Betty Noise, and she N O Y E S, not N O I S E. Oh, and I'm super worried about that. <laughs> so Betty Noyes is actually uh, the singer who recorded Debbie Reynolds' voice, her singing voice in Singing in the Rain, hmm. which if you've seen Singing in the Rain, is kind of a big deal when people dub over each other's singing voices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a very sweet song, and they show all of the, all of the night-night times with all of the animals. The zebras and the lions and everything. They're all stretching out. It's very the hippos sweet moment. somehow breathing underwater. They're snoring underwater. And then there's like the mouse and he's like sitting there and he's crying, but he has no family. Again, backstory, I would watch that. Yeah. What happened to his family? And so while this is happening, then we cut back to the clowns. They're like, we're so awesome. Let's ask the boss for a raise. And they walk out of their tent well, and drop their, like, knock the champagne off the counter. And it falls into the bucket, the bucket of, of water. bucket of water that, that Dumbo drinks that, from. Yeah. By the way, they, the way that they, the idea that they have is they say, oh, it was so funny when he fell from 300 feet. What if we have him fall from 600 feet? Well, no, no, no. They start with, what like, they, it was funny yeah. to drop from, like, 100 feet. Yeah. Let's go 300. 300. Let's go 500. And they keep going. But, like, and then they ask one of them, like, do you think that makes sense? And the other guy's like, well, yeah, that's mathematics. Like, the higher you make him drop from, the more people laugh. It's bad math. Math. So they start singing this song that's called... We're going to hit the big boss for a raise because like they because they think they're so brilliant that if they tell the ringmaster that if they drop him from higher, that they're all going to get more money. At this point, here's another uh, fun fact. 
This has been Fun Facts. This, this has been, been Fun Facts, facts with, with Joe Pale. <laughs> so, crazy viewers, fun fact. <laughs> No. <laughs> so everybody, here's a fun fact. During the production, there was a long and bitter animator strike in which half of the studio staff walked out. This is from imdb.com. So a lot of, I guess a lot of the clowns were actually modeled after animators who left the project because they went on strike because they weren't getting the wages that they thought they needed. I mean, I wasn't there at the time, but knowing what animators go through, they probably weren't asking for that much. But then again, knowing Disney, he probably just said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And probably what happened was he just ordered whatever animators he had left. Let's make all of the animators who stormed out into clowns in our movie and have them just kind of say like, man, we got a good idea. I mean, we're stupid. <laughs> so the clowns dropped their champagne into the drinking water, which is a terrible waste of champagne. Yeah. But... Dumbo, like, comes back from seeing his mom, and he's sad, and he's crying. And because he's crying so much, he's hiccuping. Like, he's got a bad case of the hiccups. Yeah. And so the mouse says, like, let's drink some water. Let's calm down. Drink some water. Hold your breath and all that. And so he's, like... So the mouse has him drink the water that the champagne has fallen into, but they haven't seen that the champagne fell into it. So it's, like, you just see this bucket that just has all these suds on it. And so when I was a kid, I thought, like, oh, well, those guys dropped, like, a bottle of shampoo or something like that. Like, it didn't make sense to me. And then they start drinking from it, both of them, because the mouse falls into it. Well, no, no, no. First, like, Dumbo drinks from it, and he turns blue, and he turns red, and then he gets drunk, like, instantly. Yeah. And so the mouse is like, what is in this bucket? And, like, leans over the bucket, falls in, also drunk, instantly. And he's, like, singing opera as he climbs his way out. So one of the things that's my favorite about when the mouse is starting to see like the bubbles that uh i almost called him julio so when he's starting to see the bubbles that a mouse's name is not julio <laughs> no i almost called dumbo julio okay. also no one of my favorite things is that when dumbo starts blowing bubbles and the mouse is standing on the edge of the bucket you know he starts falling over and then the bubble lifts him up and there's all these things happening at one point he sees his own reflection in a bubble and he goes oh George! And he tries to give the bubble a hug. Again, making me think, this mouse has a much bigger story where he has a brother named George or something like that. Like I'm a family you, member. I would watch the backstory on that yeah. mouse. Yeah. So then he starts kind of just keeps falling and keeps like drifting closer and closer on, on riding on bubbles to get to Dumbo. And then he starts like saying, hey, let's see some, some tricks, basically. Like, blow me a square bubble. And Dumbo does it. He's like, now do a really, really big one. At this point, I was thinking, no, like the next step in the act is not to have Dumbo fall from things. It's to get Dumbo drunk and to have him blow crazy bubbles because I would pay money to see an elephant do that. Well, and then we enter into the drunk scene, which is very much like Winnie the Pooh's Heffalumps and Woozles. Yeah. I was watching this the whole time and I was like, I have seen this recently. I'm not as familiar with Heffalumps and Woozles, oh. which I will be once we get to that point. You don't point. have many younger sisters. I, I don't have any younger sisters. 
so watching the sequence, I started to think, I don't think that was champagne. I think that was absinthe. Or maybe they were just like, maybe somebody was dropping something into it, like dropping pills into the champagne because even diluted, like this was a, a half drunk bottle that was poured into a bucket of water. This is not drunkenness. This is hallucination. Yeah, they're having group hallucinations of these pink elephants. I mean, I don't know what happens in the mind of a young elephant when it gets drunk, but I don't think it's this. So when it first starts out, it's just kind of like, oh, this is a silly sequence. And then it gets downright psychedelic. Well, like elephants walk around, like... They're like marching and going around the the screen. Well, they each have like instruments. They're walking around like there's this one tiny elephant that keeps getting stepped on by a bigger elephant, which is a metaphor. And then, um, I don't know, this is all bringing me back to Florida. Like, uh, people snort bath salts. Like, why wouldn't they just drop something in champagne? Well, and what was really terrifying was the elephant made of elephant heads. Yeah, yeah. As we start, like, progressing into these nightmare visuals, which I think when they did Fantasia, they were like, here, animators, here are drugs. Figure out what you can do when you're on these. They had, like, something left over. Well, like, they went super terrifying. And then, like, so the elephant made of elephant heads. And then the elephant belly dancing that turned into a giant eyeball. And then they're like, this is too scary. Let's go pretty. And then they make two elephants, like, waltzing and ice skating. Well, before that, though, I because, it, you know, with the belly dancing, there was a whole Egyptian sort of thing where oh, there was, like, right. an elephant that was shaped like a camel walking around. And I was, like, I was recognizing that, like, that happens. There's, there's a camel in that circus. There's a camel with a baby camel. That happened in the very beginning. They showed a camel getting a stork baby. And then... It's marching through Egypt, and the pyramids turn into elephants. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense at all. I just had the epiphany that that is exactly what the ringmaster said with making the elephant stack. He said, I'm going to make a pyramid out of elephants. So a lot of this is the subconscious of what has happened through the movie coming to life. Whoa. So the dancing ballet elephants are just... its It doesn't make a lot of sense contextually, but if you just watch it and observe it, this is an animation that's happening with four colors. There are four colors on the screen. There is just a light pink and a dark pink, a light green and a dark green that serve as the shadows. And it's just like these incomplete pictures, but you still pick it up. And they're like ballet dancing. Then they start ice skating. Then they start multiplying into more of them that are moving around. It's really trippy and really insane. But at the same time, it's incredibly beautiful with what the, with the only color palette that they have. Yeah. The waltzing and the ice skating elephants are beautiful. It reminds me of like the one-shot dance numbers that they used to have in the old movies, like An American in Paris or yeah. Singing in the Rain, like these one-shot dance numbers. Because all of this was all hand-drawn. Like right. You forget that with as, as many films now do sequences like this, but with like computers and, and, and you can create things with effects where you can automate certain things. But this was all like everything had to be completely drawn by hand, not only drawn by hand, but put together, and then signed off by somebody or by a group of people to say, yeah, yeah, this is going in the movie. That's the thing that freaks me out the most is that Walt Disney himself said, yeah, okay, this is in the movie now. (laughs) So it goes from terrifying to beautiful. 
And then it just ends. Well, it gets a little crazy again right at the end because there's a little bit of an epilepsy warning because it just starts going like there's things shooting in every direction. There's bright lights flashing. It changes colors really quickly. And then you just see elephants falling in the sky, pink elephants that become clouds. And then it's over. So then we wake up. So then we wake up and we meet the crows. Name me a nice crow you've ever met in real life no a character these guys i love these no, guys they turn out to be nice but when you first meet them they're mean i've always loved them no no you haven't oh, even when you first meet them like because yeah. they've got some like ribbing and some jibing and some kind of like you this is you know like what's going on here these people are in the wrong neighborhood but at the same time it's just i love them you learn to love them. No, I love After them After the already. mouse makes them cry because they call him Dumbo. And they laugh at him because the mouse is like, he can fly. And they're like, rah, 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 rah. he can't fly. Well, I mean, if somebody told you this elephant flies, you'd say the same thing. No, I would say I believe you, Like, no, you're you, an sir. idiot. No, I believe you, sir. I don't believe that at all. So, the mouse makes them feel bad because this is, again, this is like one of those things where the mouse clearly has a backstory because he's like, how would you feel if your mother was taken away from you and you could never see her again? And like, you didn't have any family. And I was like, mouse, you've been through some stuff. I, again, I think this is one of those things where it, it plays to the whole lesson of the whole thing without being incredibly overt because it's just, it's talking about a situational thing where it's representative of something bigger, where even though they come from different social circles, i.e. birds wearing clothes and circus folk. And mouse wearing clothes? And mouse wearing clothes. Which the mouse himself does not really fit in that, that whole stratosphere. The fact that they have like universal feelings that can be translated means that even though they have these differences, they can feel empathy because they know how to relate in some way. Right. So the the birds feel empathy Mm -hmm. and they're like, maybe he can fly. And they hand him a magic feather, which is not magic. They just pluck it from themselves. They hand it to him and Dumbo can magically fly. Because he has the magic feather. My favorite part is that he sits on a power line. (laughs) Well, even before that, the fact that when they were just like, okay, let's test this out. Again, probably part of the circus mentality. Let's not actually test things out. Let's just perform right away. So they like put him on the edge of a death cliff and just start pushing on his butt to say like, come on, fly. Let's go. Let's go. Instead of just like, well, maybe he can take off from the ground. And then he lands on power lines. The power lines are my favorite part. How they kind of lean in. Yeah. (laughs) So then we cut back to the circus. Because, like, after he can fly, then the birds are like, awesome, have fun, bye. And he flies off with the mouse. Heads back to the circus. And... They're doing the stunt again. And now, because, like, the clowns were like, we could put him a thousand feet up. Which He's super high up, like, three times up from where he was. Does this imply that they got the raise that they were asking for because well, they're, they they made it higher? And this also, like, I'm, I'm questioning how giant that circus tent is. I thought is. the same thing because it, it went from, like, a, a five-story building to a 15 to 20-story building inside of a tent. And the whole thing's on fire. Why isn't the tent on fire? Right. I know how fire works. Right. No, I, I thought the same thing. So the everything's on fire. Dumbo jumps off, like, to do his final stunt to land in the tiny vat of 
pie filling. Or whipped cream, whatever it is. But of course, now it's like three times higher than the last time. They lose their feather, and it's like, no, no, that's no. That's when the feather falls out of his trunk, and he's like, that's my magic feather. And like, and the mouse is sitting at the tip of his trunk, pleading for him to not kill and them. And he's like, fly, fly, the magic feather was just an idea. And I kind of thought that the magic feather would have lasted longer. I guess that also was the idea that the movie would have lasted longer. (laughs) We'll get to that in literally one minute. (laughs) But he's Dumbo's like, oh, yeah, the magic feather didn't mean anything. And so then he starts flying around the entire tent. He knocks over the clowns. Mm -hmm. He throws the ringmaster into a vat of water, which again again rolls his tux front up to hit him in the face. And he's flying over the heads of the audience, which if I were in a show, like in the audience of a show, and I saw an elephant, a baby, even a baby elephant flying above my head, I wouldn't be cheering going, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, no, 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 this should not happen. There is no screaming. There is only cheering. So they cheered for him. Then we get to see the front page of the news. Dumbo. Where his, his ears are insured for $1 million. He gets a world record. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part is that the mouse officially signs as his manager. Yes. There's a newspaper article where the mouse signs as his manager. So here's where I have kind of a personal story. When I was really young, my dad and I were having a discussion about Dumbo. I don't know why. And we started talking about the mouse in Dumbo and about what his name is. And I was like, oh, yeah, his name's Timothy. My dad said, no, it's not. His name is his name is never mentioned in Dumbo. I was like, no, his name is Timothy. And he's like, if you if his name is Timothy, I will give you $50. We didn't have the internet back then. But we started like watching the movie. And yes, his name is never mentioned. Nobody says anything. But during this thing where he's like, they're going through these newspaper headlines. You see him signing the papers. You don't see him signing the papers. You see the, the headline picture of him having signed the papers. His name is Timothy Z. Mouse. Timothy Z. Mouse. So what did you do with that $50? Oh, I probably bought a video game or something like that. That's but I totally good. proved it. So all of the other elephants accept him back. He gets his mom out he of gets the like a- confinement. And he gets, they get this like weird, like there's Airstream trailer that goes on the, on the circus car, which by the way, I thought that because they showed how drab circus life was with all of those like really heavy, hard things of like, oh, this is our life. I thought he would leave the circus, but instead, no, no, he stays with the circus, but in style. So I'm not quite sure what the lesson is there. It's also a very short movie. Yeah. Because when it ended, we both looked at each other and said... So that's it. That's it? It's very short. So we started, we, we, I looked online because I was like, no, 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 this, this must be two hours long or an, at least an hour and a half. We looked it up. This movie is 64 minutes long. It's an hour and four minutes. Hour and four minutes. That's it. Yeah. Fun fact, this movie was distributed by RKO Pictures and they told Disney, you know what? 64 minutes. I feel like that's a little short for a full-length movie, but a little long for a short. So how about you either cut 20 minutes from it or add like a half hour onto it? And Walt Disney said, no. (laughs) And it became one of the highest grossing movies at that time. (laughs) 
In fact, Dumbo actually was supposed to be on the cover of Time magazine in the month that it came out in 1941, but it wasn't because Pearl Harbor happened. Oh. So Pearl Harbor got the cover of Time magazine. Yeah, no, that takes precedence. I think so. I think so. So, personal story. Yeah. Dumbo has a ride at Disneyland. Does it? I don't know a lot about Disney World, but I know at Disneyland, it has a ride. And apparently when I was a child, I enjoyed riding the ride, but I called it Uppy Down Dumbo. And I used to ride it with my dad. Because you can control if it goes up and down. Right. Because you have a little like joystick you can control if it goes up down. So it's Uppy Down Dumbo. Uppy Down Dumbo. Um, so I used to call it that all the time. And as an adult, at the age of like 24, 25, I got my dad to write it again with me, mm-hmm. Uppy Down Dumbo. And <laughs> there's a weight limit. So a full grown man adult and a full grown female adult can't quite make Dumbo rise <laughs> up to the full extent that a Small child and a full-grown adult can. So you just had Downy Down Dumbo. It was Downy Down Dumbo. (laughs) But we got to take wonderful pictures, so we got the same pictures just 21, two years later. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) So the last feature to come out before Dumbo from Disney was Fantasia, which we have decided we would not review because we don't really want to do the ones that are compilations of shorts and Fantasia is pretty much that. We're going to make a couple exceptions to that rule, but only to our favorites. Exactly. And not to the music videos. Yeah. So, um, we didn't really want to do Fantasia. Sorry if anybody was looking forward to that, but Fantasia was actually a, it was a box office failure. And because of that, it? it was. And so because of that, they wanted to actually make the production of their animated features cheaper. So I don't know if you noticed this, Brenna, but the the quality has kind of gone down from the last couple movies. Hmm. And one of the reasons why is because they just wanted to make it less expensive. So they tried to cut costs as many ways as they could. So one of the ways that they cut costs is they reused cells, like the animation cells that they had. So uh, the cells are basically... Once they create the backgrounds in the foreground, that's when you have where you have the animation happening and you paint right onto the cells. So what they would do is as soon as the cells were finished for a sequence and that was done, they would basically erase anything that would that had happened that they had drawn on to those before and reuse the pieces of like transparent plastic that were used for for the actual uh, work that they had done. So because of that, it's actually very, very rare to find Dumbo cells because they've either been repurposed or because the animators were under so much stress to make this that sometimes when they would finish the sequence, they would just destroy the cells. Like they would throw them on the floor. People would skate on them, like step on them and like slide around the halls of Disney Studios because they were just so fed up and they were just done with the sequences. So it's very, very, very rare to find them. When they started doing the uh, the remastered versions of it, it was really difficult to find them. So they would have to kind of remake some of the cells bit by bit, picture by picture. And sometimes you would see the gray in the elephant's skin kind of pop because they couldn't make the exact same uh, quality that they had before. I noticed that a little bit with at one point with the mouse. Yeah. 
This has been Facts with Joe Pale. I'll probably just reuse the other thing that we did. <laughs> That's probably best. That was locked in. Yeah. And that was like a glass of wine ago. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We're sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Start that over. We're really glad that uh, we have a listening base that tunes in. No, start nope, over. Start over. So thanks for listening. This has been Dumbo. With Joe and Brenna. Peo. On your favorite Disney fan cast. Wine, Wine you. Bye. I'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>